Good morning. It is good to be together again. It is good to be outside on such a beautiful, beautiful day. This weather feels about perfect. We'll take that as a blessing. We're going to be talking about 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 to 12 this morning. Now I want to encourage you, if you brought your Bible, to go ahead and open there. If not, to go ahead and look them, the verses up on your phone. Be reading from the NIV 2011, if you're using an app. If your Bible is a different translation than that, that's okay. You should be able to follow along. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. We're nearing the end of our series in 1 John. I really love this letter because I relate a lot to the way that the Apostle John thinks and writes. I connect with him very well. I hope that it's been an enjoyable experience for you also. Last week we read the climax of this letter, the heart of it. We read about the God who is love. This week we're talking about a passage where John explains a bit more about how God loves us and that and the victory that we have in Jesus. And I think that we may need a message of victory this morning. Many of us find ourselves discouraged or frustrated. Many of us who thought that this would, the, the difference in our lives because of the pandemic would only be for a few weeks, find ourselves startled and discouraged with the fact that here in August, things still are not yet back to normal. Many of us are going through hardships that we've not gone through before, or perhaps we have, but we find ourselves isolated or lonely in a way that we haven't for some time. And I think that no matter where you are this morning, a message of victory is something that all of us need. And the thing I want you to hear, and the thing I want you to remember from this morning is this. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. Okay, I want to start by diving into the first two verses of 1 John chapter 5. Dramatic pause. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. John starts with a very simple gospel summary. If your allegiance is to Jesus, then you are born again, adopted into God's family. And if you're adopted into God's family, then you'll behave like a child of God should, by loving him, by loving each other, and by following his commands. Then John goes on. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now there's a lot going on in this passage. John is telling us that we will overcome the world. Now, there are three verses in the Gospel of John. We're in the Epistle of John, the Letter of John, but in the, the Gospel of John, there's three verses that kind of help us to understand what John is saying here. If you're a note taker and you want the references, I'm going to give them to you. Go ahead and write these down. They're John 12, 31, John 14, 30, and John 16, 33. And what John says in those verses he, he shows Jesus saying that the time is coming for the evil one, the prince of this world, to be thrown out. That the evil one has no hold over Jesus and that Jesus has overcome him and the world. You see, Jesus came to turn the world upside down. He came to show everyone that faith in an empty religion or faith in the best hum things human beings can accomplish is not sufficient because both the greatest religion in the world at the time and the greatest government were terribly and hopelessly corrupt. The one who created the world came into the world to save the world and the world fought back like a drowning victim trying to fight off a lifeguard. And this fight comes to a head when Jesus, representing God's kingdom, comes face to face with Pontius Pilate, representing the world. And this fight results in Jesus' death, but not his defeat. It resulted in his death, but not his defeat. Jesus did not lose. He surrendered. And because of that, he was victorious. Moving on in verse 6. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. Shortly after Jesus died and was raised, people began saying all kinds of things about what happened. You see, the resurrection, it was just too big. It was too important. If it was true, it meant too many things had to change. And it made people feel better to have an alternative explanation for what happened. Some said that Jesus never really died. It wasn't him on the cross. Some said that it was just a spirit that he had no body and so he couldn't be killed. Others said he fainted on the cross and woke up in the tomb. But the Apostle John was there. He was there at the foot of the cross and he saw what happened to his Messiah, his Lord, his Rabbi, and his friend. And I imagine that image stayed ingrained in his mind for the rest of his life, crystal clear. And he tells about it here, water and blood. You see, crucifixion is a very slow, torturous process. You are bound 
to the cross with a stake through your forearms and ankles. And because of the way that you're positioned, you cannot breathe unless you lift yourself up to get air. And it could take days, days for that to finish. And so because there was a Sabbath coming up and the Romans did not want conflict with the Jews about this happening on the Sabbath, they were told to hurry things along. So what they would do is they would take the back end of a spear and they would break a person's legs so they could not stand to breathe and they would pass much quicker. But when they came to Jesus, they were surprised because of everything he had already gone through, he was already gone. But they had to be sure because a Roman soldier, if he was duped, if someone was pretending to be dead and they left and friends or family came and brought him down, the Roman soldier's own life would be sacrificed, would be lost. And so to be absolutely sure, they stabbed him in the side. Now, when you stab a person who is alive, you get blood. When you stab a person who has passed, the fluids, they separate. And sometimes you get blood and something else that kind of looks like water. And this is what John saw, water and blood. John is saying that Jesus really did die, that he is an eyewitness, and he is saying that Jesus really, truly was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then John says that the death and resurrection of Jesus is a testimony. Verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you're following around in the NIV, you might notice that that phrase is a little different. Yours probably says eternal rather than of the age to come. And the reason that I said it this way instead of that is because eternal life minimizes, reduces what we're talking about just down to its length. But it's so much more than that. The word means so much more than a length. It's about the life that comes from heaven, the life of the age to come. This is the testimony. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. This is the testimony to which the Spirit gives witness. Through the testimony of the gospel and in the work of the Spirit, in the hearts and in the minds of believers, God has testified that the world has indeed been overcome. Victory belongs to Jesus and to all of us who put our allegiance in him. And that means that no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what is happening in your life, not financial hardship, not isolation, nor loneliness, not gnawing doubt, nor raging fear, not the sting of loss, nor the weight of sadness, not political division, nor cultural conflict. Nothing can overcome us because nothing can overcome our Lord. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we won't have hardship. Jesus tells us that in this world, we will have hardship. And he tells us to take heart because through his death and resurrection, he has overcome the world. You see, no other God, no other power, no other being in all the world loves like this or gives like this or dies like this. All others, all other gods win victories by killing, by fighting. This one, by suffering. All other gods exercise power through killing our God by dying. Jesus showed his power, his might, his love through suffering and dying. And in that is this promise. The worst things the world can inflict upon us are the very ways that Jesus won his victory. I need you to hear that again. The worst things that the world can inflict upon us are the very ways that Jesus won his victory. He was betrayed. He suffered. And he died. And that was his course to victory. The promise that we have in him is that we are his, and so his victory is ours too. And no matter what happens in this life, no matter the hardship, life has overcome death. The victory has been won, and the victory is ours. God has given us the life of the age to come, and this life is in his Son. So where are you this morning? You're here. But what's happening in your life? What hardship are you wrestling with? What fear are you grappling with? What anxiety vies for control? What sadness pulls you down? What worries threaten to overwhelm? You see, the incredible thing about our faith is not that God promises us no struggles. In fact, over and over and over again, we're told we will have struggles. The promise we have is that no thing can take us away from our Lord. We cannot be torn from his grip and he cannot be overcome by anything. And what that means is that in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trial, we can rest, we can trust in the promise we have that Jesus' victory is ours too. That when our time here is done, we will be with him. That he never leaves us. That moment by moment, hardship by hardship, struggle by struggle, he walks through this life at our side. He listens when we pray. He comforts when we cry. He never leaves us alone. And then one day we will go to be with him, fully embracing the life of the age to come. The worst that can happen to us still takes us to Jesus. That is a victory.
My hope for you this morning is that whatever struggles you're having, that this is a comfort to you. That you're able to go to the Lord, give it over to Him, and receive from Him the promise of life and light and love and truth. To know, really know His presence and the power of the resurrection life and the life of the age to come. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you. Lord, and we say thank you. We thank you for today, for a beautiful day for us to meet together. We thank you for the chance to meet outside, where so many more of us feel comfortable to be here. And we thank you for your word and the promises within it. The promise of your love of your support and your presence never leaving us. The promise of your spirit which dwells within us and the promise of life which, yes, will last forever, but will fill us up and make us more like you. We praise you, Father, that even though we encounter hardship after hardship in this life, even though we may be lonely or sad, or worried. We are no less yours. You are no less here. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the ways that you are showing up and speaking to us. That we would sense your presence and rest comfortably in you. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.